Welcome. It's good to be back after a little time away in, in Central Texas. And we spent last Sunday morning as a family worshiping with Connection Church in Buda, Texas. But while we enjoyed the music and the service, there's no place like home. And it's good to, to see each of you again. Can't believe it's already the last Sunday of October. November is soon approaching, which means time change, which for those of you that or having a hard time like I am waking up when it's not light until about 7.45. Um, we have welcome relief coming and you get an extra hour of sleep. Also, um, I didn't lose my razor. I just chose not to, to shave a week ago because 
No Shave November is coming up, and I need as much of a head start as I can get. Um, I'll never catch Kevin, um, Landon, or Rich, some of these other guys that are, that are bearded wonders, but um, I may wonder after a while what I was trying to do growing a beard. But it is good to see you. It's good to be here. If you're visiting, welcome. If you're regular folk, welcome. I hope you enjoy the service as we worship God's, God together through reading scripture, through singing, and also through hearing his word taught. I just want to highlight a few things before we read this morning from Psalm chapter 86. Um, first of all, um, we decided at our last quarterly business meeting, um, we pledged to raise $500 to complete some concrete work for the floor at the Tanzania Bible College that we gave money to. Um, we, our goal is $500, and we're almost halfway there. So if you have a little extra and want to contribute to that, um, every bit counts, change dollars, anything like that. Our goal is $500, and we'll see if we can, can meet that and be a blessing so that um, that dormitory won't have a dirt floor much longer, but it will have a concrete floor. A couple of other opportunities where you may choose to be involved. First of all, coming up in two weeks, our community campfire. It's Saturday, November 12th from 4 to 7 p.m., and as it says in the bulletin, we need your help, and there are opportunities to sign up. Some areas where we do need help specifically. Um, we need area in serving food. That's hot dogs and campfire fare. So if, if you haven't signed up, food is one area. We need help with the prayer tent. Michelle is heading that up. So if you want to be involved in prayer, you can sign up there. Um, if you want to be the guardian of a bounce house and just make sure that everything is happening according to plan, um, we need some help there. And also um, an outside game that involves some box stacking. And it's fun if you've ever seen the game Angry Birds on a phone or on computer. Um, we can play a live version with cardboard boxes, and we need some folks helping in that area. So if you want to sign up, you can sign your name up out there. If you have questions about where you might be able to serve or just say, put me anywhere, you can see Jeff and let Jeff put you down where he needs you. But we do need help, and that's coming up very soon. A little later in the month, on November the 26th, which is the Saturday after Thanksgiving, um, Sunset Hill Tree Farm will be having the old-time Christmas. And as it says in the bulletin, they need actors and musicians. And if you are interested, you can contact the Patricks there. Um, the phone number is listed in the email um, as well. Or if you just let us know in the church office, we'll get their, your name to them for that. And a couple of other things quickly. Men's breakfast tomorrow morning, 6.30 at the Elk Diner. And then our normal Wednesday activities. Wednesday lunch at 11. Bible study, singing from singing hymns and prayer and then a lunch together. And then Wednesday night prayer meeting at 6.30. There's other dates and things that you may want to see in the bulletin, but I just refer you to that and just once again welcome you in the name of the Lord. Our reading this morning is Psalm chapter 86. It's a prayer that, that David prayed. And this morning I'm excited because we're going to talk about blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. I want you to be listening as we read through these words about the mercy that the Lord God has and the thankfulness that David has for that mercy. So let's read this together and then our deacons will come and lead us in prayer before we receive our offering. Psalm chapter 86, verse 1. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord. For to you do I cry all the day, gladden the soul of your servant. 
For to you, O Lord, do I lift my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to me, to my plea for grace. In the day of trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord. No, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have, done, have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seek my life. And they do not set set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign of your favor for those who hate me may see, that those that hate me may see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Gentlemen, will you come and lead us in prayer? Our Father, we give you thanks and praise for for all your goodness, your graciousness, and for the greatness of yourself, Lord, and your power, which is sovereign over all. And yet, Lord, you've chosen us to be your children when we were your enemies. And we give you thanks for that. And, Lord, now today, we, as we take up this offering, we ask, we ask that you would bless us as we give back to you a part of which you have so graciously and freely given to us. We love you, Lord. And pray that the name of Jesus will be lifted up today and our pastor as he brings the message. In Jesus' name, amen. Run dry I have 
the shadow of their almighty God. I dwell in the presence of the most high, almighty God. You chose me before time began. You loved me. Lord, in you I am worthy, and I am deserving, because you love me and took me as I am. And now I run through fields of mercy, they fly through skies of grace. I drink the living water that won't run dry. dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust.
may be seated. you brought your your Bible with you, if you have your phone, we'll be in Matthew chapter 5 again, and we'll begin in just a second by reading through that brief section of Scripture that starts the Sermon on the Mount that we call the Beatitudes. But before we get started, I just want to say thank you again for the the time off. We were were down in the Austin area. Samara had a week of in-person classes at the School for the Blind studying algebra, so in honor of math, I thought I'd share a little math joke with you. Um, There was a shepherd that sent his sheepdog out to recover the sheep, and the sheepdog comes back. Now, you have to imagine that sheepdogs can talk, so if you don't believe that, then this joke will mean nothing to you. So the sheepdog comes back, and he reports to the shepherd, "Um, I have rounded up all, I've found all 40 of the sheep. And the, the shepherd is scratching his head. He looks down at the ground. He says, well, wait a minute. I thought we only had 36 sheep. And the sheepdog looked at him and said, well, yes, sir, but I rounded them up. If you don't get that, you maybe didn't make it through algebra. I'm not. So, and we were there. We, uh, we stayed one week in Lockhart State Park. Um, we intended to stay just the weekend at a, at a church camp called... Um, Twin Oaks Ranch there in Buda, and we got there, and we were met with phenomenal hospitality from the camp manager, um, Dawn and Debbie. Um, they have an incredible story of just God's grace, and just in short, they, they met each other um, online, and they found out that they were both in the same church, and one sat on one side of the sound booth, and the other one sat on the other side of the sound booth. They were both widowed, and the Lord brought them together, and they have been serving together at the camp. Um, they asked us very quickly, well, why don't you just stay here instead of going to another camp? And so instead of moving from Twin Oaks up to McKinney Falls near Austin to another state park, we wound up just staying there the entire week. Um, and we enjoyed their, their hospitality, and we were so grateful for just the, the goodness of the Lord in providing for us um, along the way. We pulled our, our travel trailer down there that, um, that may or may... Um, it's been a blessing from the Lord, and so that was that was done without any error. It was the Lord kept us and protected us safe down there and back, and so we were just so blessed to have time away. And I'm, I, I can't wait to share um, this message with you this morning about a topic that I think is very important to us as believers: mercy. Now, if you look around, it doesn't matter who you look at or where you look. Without exception, you would agree that life comes with pressure. We all feel it. It brings misery, pain. It causes guilt and worry. Leaves people uncomfortable, others desperate, and some without hope. And sometimes it's our own doing. It's our personal sin that causes that problems. Sometimes it's the sins of others that we um, are that are pressed upon us, that cause us to feel that pressure. Society has pressure. The economic condition of, of, our, of our country and of our personal finances brings pressure. Strained relationships, family, 
friends, maybe a, a neighbor that you've had difficulty getting along with. Each one of those cause pressure. Because every person has a need and there has to be something in this world that could relieve that pressure or tension. In a word, we need mercy. It's a feeling that, that starts in your head and it then travels to your heart and leads to actions with your hands and with your feet and with your words. It's compassion for other people, especially those that are in desperate need. It's embracing the pain of other people and doing what we are able with what we have. You see, mercy is concerned with the other person, always without any exception. And it cares for the whole person, the the physical body and the spiritual soul. And many years ago when Jesus stood on that hillside and spoke to the crowd, He said these words, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And so today, as best we can, we're going to look at receiving and sharing God's gift of mercy. Understanding that if you experience mercy, you're going to share it with others. And if you're not showing mercy, then maybe you're just not walking with the Lord like you should, and you could be operating in your flesh, or maybe even a deeper problem, maybe you don't know the merciful one. And we'll explore this idea that true blessing comes when recipients of God's mercy show mercy to others without qualification or expectation. True blessing comes when recipients of God's mercy show mercy to others without seeing if the person deserves it or not or expecting anything in return to say it another way. Now we're going to read through the Beatitudes. We're going to pray and then we're going to get started. But just to remind you again as we keep this fresh that Jesus gathered those followers on the hillside. In verse five, chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Seeing the crowds. Remember, Jesus always saw the crowds. He went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Will you pray with me briefly? Lord Jesus, we thank you for the privilege we have to gather here in this place in your name. We thank you for your word that has stood the test of time, that is faithful and true in all situations. 
We thank you that it is right, that it's perfect, that it's living and that it's active. We thank you that you've given us this opportunity on this day to study this subject of your mercy. And Lord, we ask you to open up our ears, to open up our hearts, our minds to you. Help us to hear your voice, to be transformed by the living word. Thank you for the help of your spirit that comes alongside of us and brings your truth to light. So we trust in you, we rely on you, we depend on you, and we need you. So God, speak to us, help us to hear, and transform us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So you took a brief break last week, and now we're back to the Beatitudes. Remember the first four, each beginning with blessed are. We talked about the poor in spirit. And what do we find that theirs is? The kingdom of heaven. We found that those that are mourned would find comfort, that the meek would inherit the earth, and those who hunger and thirst after righteousness would be filled. Now each one of those is connected logically. It builds one upon the other, and each one is a trait of the Christian, someone who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And so you can't just independently say, I want one and not the other. They're the whole package, like the fruit of the Spirit. And when you take them all together, you could say this, that it's the desperate, humble person who mourns over sin and hungers for righteousness that will be merciful and receive mercy. This morning we're going to look at blessed are the merciful. Why are they blessed? Well, it tells us there, for they will receive mercy We're going to hopefully understand what mercy is a little bit better and then discuss how mercy is received and how mercy is shared. And then finally, as we wrap things up, we'll see that blessing comes from mercy. There's four brief points in your bulletin to help you walk through this. And the first thing is just mercy defined. What is mercy? Now, you could say it this way, that it's compassion that leads to action. Or maybe more simply, it's kindness or compassion toward someone, plus a desire to help them, plus actually moving forth into action. Because we're going to see in a minute that you can have pity and not have mercy. You see, pity just may feel sorry for somebody, but not really do anything. Mercy feels sorry for someone in trouble and does what they can to help. One commentator, Vincent, said it this way, it's God's kindness and goodness toward the miserable and afflicted. Anybody here ever felt miserable and afflicted? Joined with a desire to relieve them. And we have to understand, as in all of these traits, God is the source of mercy, and He is merciful. We see it most notably in the fact that because of his goodness and his love, God patiently holds back punishment for sinners, even though justice demands it. The very fact that we are here on this earth and have not been annihilated is because God is merciful. 
He's full of mercy. Now, it's tied to the Old Testament word that you see translated grace, mercy, loving kindness. It's the word hesed. God's faithful love toward his chosen people, Israel. Another way you could explain it is love in action. That God loved, chose, loved, and cared for these people, his chosen people, Israel, starting first with the man Abraham and then to his descendants. And throughout the Bible, you see his persistent love, his unconditional love, that even though they blow it over and over again, God is faithful to them. Now, there are times that he does punish them and judge them. He always preserves a remnant. But over and over again, you see that God's love for them is persistent. It never stops, and it's unconditional. It's not based on how they perform. It's based on God's character and his nature. And then you combine that together with perfect kindness, and you get an idea of what this word hesed means. It's difficult to define. Ralph Davis, who taught at Southwestern Seminary and wrote a, a book on Old Testament theology, said it this way, hesed is love that is willing to commit itself to another by making its promise a matter of solemn record. I think of it this way. Think of the strength and the, the meaning behind marriage vows. Think of those vows. You know, through richer or poor, through sickness and in health, till death do us part. God makes a covenant with his people that he will never abandon. And that is just, just a, a brief picture of what it means for his, his hesed, his mercy, his loving kindness. It's hard to define, but it's so essential to who God is. Psalm 86:15, we read that earlier, but you, O Lord, David said, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. David couldn't explain God's hesed in one word, so he just piles word upon word to give us a, a picture of what it means. And because God is merciful, Toward us, He lovingly holds back what we deserve. The Bible's clear we deserve punishment and death because we are, are sinners. And by His grace, God, in that same love, offers what we don't deserve forgiveness, salvation, and freedom. And it's the wonder of wonders that God continues to extend mercy to us and the entire world world every breath you breathe every breath every person breathes on this earth is because of god's mercy every blessing we enjoy is because of god's mercy and we've seen at least briefly what his mercy is where it comes from now i think it's also for us to understand a little bit about what mercy is not Mercy does not mean that God is easygoing. God's easygoing. And some people think that God will just let that slide. No, God lets nothing slide. So it doesn't mean easygoing. But also, mercy does not excuse sin. No, mercy loves sinners, that's for sure. And it always longs for their best, but it never excuses sin. 
And then lastly, mercy is not the same thing as pity. Pity feels, but pity never really does anything. Mercy feels and then takes action. Now you have to be careful because you will read some older translations and you will read some older writings and they use the word pity almost interchangeably with mercy. But, you know, when you think about showing pity to someone, just think about somebody that doesn't really, that may care, but they don't really do anything. But mercy pushes all the way through. But I think we also need to understand mercy is always concerned with the other person. When you decide to follow Jesus, to deny yourself, to take up your cross and follow him, one of the things that you do daily is to lay down your personal rights. It's not about me. It's about God, his kingdom, and other people. And mercy is all about the other person. In fact, it's relational. It's not transactional. What what do I mean by that? Relational, we do it because we care Transaction is, I do this because I want something in return. You know, the you give, I give, you give me back. You know, it's, it's not that way. It's relational. And like I said earlier, it cares for the entire person. You know, not only is out there trying to meet physical needs, you know, hunger, you know, clothing, shelter, things like that, but it's also out there to meet spiritual needs, the needs of the soul, salvation, freedom, deliverance in Christ. Another commentator said that mercy is holy compassion. It's sanctified caring that moves through and actually does something. You see some great examples in Scripture. There's so many. I just picked a few. You think about the parable of the Good Samaritan. Here's somebody that's not even one of God's chosen people, but yet he shows compassion. As Jesus is telling this parable, he shows mercy to that poor beaten traveler. You read in the Old Testament the story about King David and Mephibosheth. That's kind of hard to say, especially if you have a problem with those kind of things. But you think about, you know, David, he's running from Saul, and he consistently shows mercy to Saul. There's all these opportunities that he could have killed Saul, but he would not raise up his hand against the Lord's anointed. He showed him mercy after mercy. Saul's son, Jonathan, shows mercy to David, their dear friends and he shows mercy to him in helping him to be delivered from the hands of his father Saul and out of gratitude to his friend Jonathan. King David shows mercy to this crippled man Mephibosheth that he could dwell in security and safety in the king's house all his days. And then here's where it gets exciting. You get into the New Testament All those who cried out to Jesus, have mercy on me. It's a fun adventure if you haven't done it. Just start there in the Gospels and read through and just see time after time after time somebody comes to Jesus and what does they say? Have mercy on me. And you see Jesus' response. Physical need, spiritual need, treats the whole person. And each of those stories will remind you that it's only those who respond to mercy that experience the benefits. Now, what do I mean by that? Have you ever played the game Mercy? You know, basically where you lock hands with somebody and you try to break their fingers and, you know, you're bending them backwards and you want them to say mercy, right? And at that point, then the person, unless they're your big brother, is supposed to let up the pressure and give you relief, right? 
you've never played it, you know, um, you may not know. But during that, you know, the mercy is there and the mercy is available. But the only time it's experienced is when the person receives it or asks for it. And so God's mercy is all around us. We live our life because of it. But it's only that point when we receive it that we experience all of the benefits. So the second thing we see is mercy received. We are able to enter into God's kingdom because of His mercy. His long-suffering. Two wonderful passages in the New Testament. One in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. By His great mercy, He has given us new birth. And then Ephesians chapter 2. We are by nature children of wrath, but God being rich in what? Mercy, because of His great love, made us alive together with Christ. And then a little further in the verse, Paul says, By grace you have been saved. Rich in mercy. What do these verses tell us? Well, because of God's mercy, we can enjoy God's free gift of salvation through faith in Jesus. That when we respond to His mercy... And grace, with faith, love, and obedience, we enjoy the benefits of salvation. Now here's the good news. That mercy is out there for every person. Not one of us deserves it. There's no way we could earn it. And we're here today because of it. The only way that we enter into His kingdom is by His mercy through faith in Jesus. But after someone enters the kingdom by God's mercy, those in the kingdom, Christians, operate as kingdom citizens by showing mercy to others. So mercy is received, but the third thing is that mercy is shared. Here's the truth for you. Mercy flows from mercy. We'll unpack that in just a second. Because it's, it's important, it's, it's foundational that men and women who are blessed by God's mercy and, mer- and are merciful, excuse me, men and, men and women who are blessed by God's mercy are merciful toward others. If you've experienced God's mercy and the depth of it, then you're going to be full of mercy toward other people. It's a fruit of salvation. And if you've experienced true salvation, it will, be a mer- it will be a noticeable fruit. But also, if there's no mercy in your life, there's no fruit, you have to seriously ask yourself, am I truly saved? Have I been redeemed? That's the challenging thing about all these Beatitudes. I love them because they're so encouraging on one side. Oh my gosh, this is what we have as kingdom sins, but they're so challenging on the other because it shows this is what we have and this is what is required of us. And if there's no mercy, no fruit, then we need to seriously ask ourselves, have I been redeemed? Well, why do I say that? Well, because showing mercy is evidence that a person understands God's mercy. See, the person that understands mercy and is merciful toward others, you can see it in their speech and their actions. They have a faith that's genuine, it's active. 
Because true mercy looks at other people with kindness and sees their, their value. There's no place for judgment. No showing partiality. No prejudice. No, it's compassion for people in their need and willingness to do something about it. Albert Barnes in his commentary says, Our world is full of guilt and woe which we may help to relieve. And every day we have the opportunity by helping the poor and wretched and forgiving those who injure us to show that we are born of God. can't remember if it's Barnes or Barkley, but it's one of those guys that start with B said it this way, that mercy that that Christ that mercilessness is a sign of Christlessness in a civilization. If you look at the lack of mercy that is shown in in a culture, you can see that as a barometer of the lack of Christians living according to their faith. To think about a story, Matthew chapter 18, Jesus tells this story. There's a servant who has a large debt, more than he could ever pay, and he asks his master for mercy. And the master extends mercy and excuses the debt. Shortly after that, in the story, this same servant who has been forgiven a large debt refuses to show mercy on another servant for a very small amount compared to what the other person owed the master. At this point in the story, the master is angry. He throws the unmerciful servant in jail and demands that he repay all of his debts. Why did Jesus tell that story? Well, because... We are the person in the place of that one who owed a great debt, who was forgiven greatly, who was given mercy by our master, by our King Jesus. And we ought to be overachieving and extending mercy to others. Because in his great mercy, Jesus, the Savior, laid down his life so that we could be forgiven great amount of sin that no one could repay an unbelievable act of mercy, love, and grace. It's a beautiful picture, but we have to contrast that beautiful picture with the one that's really not so pretty. That's true of all of us from time to time. We, we all want mercy for ourselves. But many times we're not really interested in showing mercy to other people. And it manifests itself in different ways. And you may say something like this. They're, they're getting what they deserve. Or I'll show them or they did me wrong. And I'm going to make them pay. Why? Because our flesh and the world around us are unmerciful. Translator, um, excuse me. Commentator John Stott says it this way, that our, our, flesh find, our flesh in the world find revenge delicious. That's one of the opposites of mercy is revenge. You do this to me, I'll do this to you. And we live in a society that desires mercy for ourselves, 
and people that we like and justice for everybody else. It's a big problem. Why? Because that's not how God operates. That's not how His kingdom is built. Because those who continue to not show mercy to others, and these increase in degree, either first of all don't understand it, second may not have, or second may not have received it. (laughs) Which means they're either not understanding what God did for them or they're not saved at all. And they shouldn't expect to receive mercy from God or others. It's very serious. Because in God's kingdom, mercy flows from mercy. I said it earlier, mercy received is mercy shared. So we should be channels of mercy, not reservoirs. Can't just keep soaking it in. Mercy, thank you God for your mercy. Thank you God for your mercy. And not show mercy to others. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. But when we grasp the great mercy God has shown to us, then we can offer forgiveness and freedom to others. We can treat others with respect by being gracious, by offering expressions of gratitude and generosity toward others. That that mercy that came to us can flow out from us and we can see what James wrote is true and, and proclaim to us that mercy triumphs over judgment. See, because when we show mercy in our world, when people are expecting the opposite, judgment is defeated. Walls fall down. Distinctions, classifications dissolve. And we begin to see people through Jesus' eyes. We don't see favorites. We don't seek revenge. The love and compassion of the Savior grows in our heart. And both our heart and our hands come alive with action. Because mercy produced by the Spirit in our human heart and shared with others is a proof of true faith. But it's also a source of true blessing. And so the last thing we see is the blessing that is associated with mercy. Blessing multiplied. We said at the beginning, true blessing comes when recipients of God's mercy, God's mercy show mercy to others without qualification or expectation. There's no doubt life comes with a great deal of pressure. We feel it all around us. Misery, pain, guilt, worry, desperate people around us, hopeless people around us. Affected by sin that's personal and sin that is in others. There's strains in relationships, families, moms and dads not getting along, parents and children. There's hard situations, there's strain between friends that are once walked together but are headed in different directions because of different ideologies. There's neighbors that we've lived next to for a long time that we 
had best tolerate. Maybe sometimes pray they'd move along, but maybe need mercy. There's the challenges of our society. How do we love people that are different, act different, think different? How do we love them and show mercy and still speak the truth? Well, we don't do it in ourselves. We do it in the power of God's Spirit for His glory. Because everyone needs mercy. And to quote John Stott again, we can't receive the mercy and forgiveness of God unless we repent. And we can't claim to have repented of our sins if we are unmerciful toward the sins of others. As you can see, it is something that's encouraging. Oh my gosh, we have mercy. But then the challenge comes in. Am I merciful? others. So I have some questions before we, we close. The first thing to consider is, have you responded to God's mercy? Have you taken the offer that He has? Have you received the free gift of salvation by faith through grace in the Lord Jesus? It all starts there. And if you're thinking, I'm not merciful at all. I just want everybody to get what they deserve. I seek revenge whenever I have the opportunity. And you know, it as long as I'm taken care of, who cares about everybody else? If those are your thoughts and they persist in your mind without exception, then it's probably a good chance, time to just focus on your relationship. Do I truly know the Lord Jesus? Have I received His gift of salvation? Have you responded? Second, are you merciful toward others? And if you pop up no immediately, then the follow-up question is why? Why not? could be that you just need to repent. You know, you've drifted a little bit. Or it could be, like I said earlier, that you haven't truly received Christ's free gift of salvation. So a third question that I would suggest is, how can I show mercy to others? You need to think of some of the challenges that Paul writes. Consider others better than ourselves. Outdo one another in showing honor you know, the words of Jesus, to love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love others as yourself. You know, how can I show mercy to others? It could be behind the steering wheel. It could be at the dining room table. It could be in a classroom. It could be in the office. How can you show mercy to others? And then to make it a little more specific, who do I need to extend mercy to? Chances are the Lord will put somebody right up there in front, right there. Name and face. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I want to close just by reading some words from a hymn. I don't know if I've ever sang it. I've heard the lyrics only because Rich Mullins sang the first verse. There's a wideness in God's mercy, like the wideness of the sea. There's a kindness in God's justice, which is more than liberty. There is welcome for the sinner and more graces for the good. There is mercy with the Savior. There is healing in His blood. And then listen to this third stanza. But we make God's love too narrow. 
by false limits of our own. And we magnify its strictness with a zeal God will not own. For the love of God is broader than the measure of the mind and the heart of the eternal is most wonderfully kind. If our love were but more simple, we should rest upon God's word and our lives would be illumined by the presence of our Lord. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we first of all are so grateful for the mercy that you show and extend toward us. By your great mercy, we can have new life. That's amazing. It's hard to believe, and yet it's true. Your mercy patiently waits and endures as you call sinners to come home, sinners to repent, as you call those that are spiritually dead to new life. It's your mercy that allows another breath to be made, another tick on the clock, another sunset and another sunrise. It's because of your great mercy. And Jesus, you've simply said that those who have received your mercy will share your mercy. And those who don't share your mercy should not expect to receive mercy. Oh Lord, may your word sink deep into our hearts and our minds as we consider this truth. Have we received your mercy? Are we sharing mercy? We're not. Why? Who do we need to show mercy to? Speak to our hearts and show us. And we trust that you will. We pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Worship's here. Our worship team is here to lead us in a song, a time of response. It's our opportunity to offer ourselves to the Lord and allow Him to do his work. So as we're, we're gathering things in our minds, we're starting to, to wrap up and we're thinking about lunch. Just ask, don't let this moment escape. Press in focus. Ask those questions of yourself and allow God to speak the answer. Have I received mercy? Am I showing mercy? Who can I show mercy to? And if not, God, what's wrong? And help me to not walk out of here today unless I've fixed it. Today may be the day of salvation as you may have just been awakened to the truth that Jesus came to save sinners and that he wants to save you. Not by anything you've done, but by simply turning from your sin and turning in faith toward him. And if that is your choice today, praise the Lord. Maybe it's a wake-up call of God. I'm, I'm not very merciful. I like it for myself, but I don't really want it for others. And I'm just kind of sitting like a fat cat, enjoying all the benefits, but not sharing the blessings. Lord, I commit today that I'm going to restart. I'm going to recommit. I'm going to repent. And I'm not going to just gather in, but I'm going to give out. Because you have so blessed me with your mercy. 
Maybe there's another need that's burning in your heart, and you can pray where you are. You can pray with someone else. You can pray at the front, but I do invite you to join in standing. We're going to sing together, and as we sing, trust your response. So let's stand and sing. I was given instructions that I'm, not, I'm supposed to, David, I think is supposed to come and say something. So come on, David, before I, uh, don't close. Today is a special day, and it's Pastor Appreciation And we appreciate our pastor very much. Thank him for following Christ. And following with the Holy Spirit as he guides us day to day. And I thank him for that. And this is just a small token of the appreciation that the members of the church have put together for our pastor and his family. Wow. I have to stay away from the speaker. It's making noise. Wow. Thank you all. Uh, The first thought I had was, um, I wonder if you took a cutting of that, if it would sprout and (laughs) and grow. If if it is, I'm willing to share. Um, but I think I'm going to pick the fruit first before I say, wow. I, I'm just, you know, 
I, I, I borrow this phrase from one of my friends, and I'm, and so he just constantly says, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm fortunate that they let me hang around here, and um, and he's a pastor, and so um, I am, I feel, I feel more blessed just that I get to hang out with y'all and and worship and and do life with y'all than anything, but this is just an over-the-top blessing, and um, I haven't seen a monkey tree in a long time. My grandmother had one, and so that's really kind of cool, too. But Deborah and Samara are sick today, um, or they would be here, but on their behalf, I just say thank you. Um, We we love you, and um, I guess y'all get to enjoy Deborah and Samara because you're willing to put up with me, and so it's kind of a double blessing. but I'm blessed by them too. So thank you very much. I um, appreciate that. And um, yeah, I can't get any closer to it because my speaker won't. Let, my microphone won't let me. <laughs> well, I'd like to offer up a short prayer for our pastor, and if you would join with me as we pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you for this day and the blessings of it. Thank you for the message that Rusty has delivered today. We just ask that you would continue with him, guide him with the Holy Spirit each and every day of the lives that he is here to guide us and as he is in the world about us, just guide him with the Holy Spirit, give him the words and the wisdom that he needs to guide us and those that he meets each and every day. We thank you again for him being here with us, and we just ask that you would strengthen him and guide him, strengthen his family, and guide them, dear Lord, as they live together and worship together with us. And we do pray in your Son Jesus' blessed name. Amen. 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 Thank you again for for worshiping with us. It's it's good to be um, together, to sing and to listen and to hear the voice of the Lord. So um, just thank you again for being here. We're going to sing um, together, and when we start singing, you're dismissed and free to go. So Lord bless you.